Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com, and use Spring Free to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by someone that's totally been impressing me lately. Josh Roth is the Senior Director of Inside Sales for Lob. Now, they're backed by some of the top venture groups in the country, and they're experiencing really rapid growth right now. His team has been fueling the growth of their company and doing it in style. I'm excited to talk about what he's doing that's having so much success there right now. In addition to this, he's the co-founder of SDR Defenders. Now, you probably are aware of that organization. They were recently acquired by Pavilion. Really cool organization doing a lot of good. It's helped fuel a lot of the point of view that's made me be so impressed with Josh. And, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about that as well. Josh, he's got a voice that's turning tons of heads right now, okay? Specifically around the modern sales leadership role. I've loved his point of view so much. I had to have him on the show. I want to have a conversation about something I think is super important. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I've been listening for a while and I'm, uh, I'm super pumped. I think we got a really good conversation today. Uh, I'm just really excited to dig in. Uh, I, I'm grateful to have you, man. I, like I said, I, you're a your guy that I started following in the last, I don't know, six months probably. And I love your point of view on sales leadership. It's super fresh. I like the way it makes me think. I'm excited to dive into it. But why don't we start by what you're doing right now with Lob? To introduce the, all of our listeners to Lob and just what you guys do for your customers. Yeah, absolutely. So Lob is a direct mail uh, uh, SaaS platform. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people will think, oh, you know, Lob sends gifts to, to prospects. That's actually not what we do. Um, we do the the flip side of that. So we're sending the postcards, the letters, the checks that actually land in your mailbox. Um, and super excited because I don't know how many uh, people or listeners have have any experience in direct mail and actually sending the actual hard mail, but it's very slow. It's very labor intensive. You got to go find a printer. You got to make sure addresses are correct. And we're solving all of that through technology and software. So really exciting problem to solve. And um, one thing that I think is super interesting about this, and I'll, I'll try to be quick with this, is if you receive emails as a prospect and you hit unsubscribe, you can legally not be contacted by that company anymore with the lone exception of direct mail. So I think that this is potentially wow, that's a cool. future of, of sales. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is a, a really interesting uh, space to be in. And you know, I think a lot of people might think direct mail is shrinking. It's actually not. Direct mail is actually growing. 
Um, so super interesting spot, super interesting company and product. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. That's super cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about that as we talk about some of the things we're set up to talk about today. Why don't you give us just also a little, a little uh, background on you? I always love finding out from the people who join me, how'd you get started in sales, man? I mean, there are some people now that are going to school because they want to be in sales, but most of the time it's people kind of are accidentally involved and intentionally successful. How, how'd you find this profession? Yeah, you know, I was definitely one of the accidental people. Um, you know, I dreamed of working in baseball a- as a kid. Um, Which team? Always, Which team? Uh, oh, oh, Boston Red Sox, 100%. Right. Um, right. I can live with that you know, one. I can live I, with I, that. I wanted to be the GM of the Red Sox since I was, you know, five years old. And, um, you know, the challenge was I was not super good at math. And, you know, if you're a general manager, you know, you're probably working very deeply with, with you know, very deep statistics and that just wasn't me. So I wanted a job in baseball and I applied for a role at the New York Mets and it was a ticket sales representative. And I got the job without really recognizing I was going into sales. And lo and behold, here we are today. That's awesome. I love that story. Thank you so much. I could talk baseball with you for hours, man. Um, in fact, we'll probably end up doing that sometime. So so before we go to the next place, tell me, just tell our listeners a little bit about your story with SDR Defenders. I, I love the group. I think your mission was great. I was happy to see you guys have so much success so fast. I think it also helps our listeners know a little bit about why your point of view is so meaningful. If you just share a little bit about that, that, that whole experience, that'd be kind of fun to get your perspective on it. Yeah. All right. So I actually don't think I've shared this story publicly. So Rob, I'm going to, I'm going to. Nice. Here we go, man. Um, Late January of last year, uh, Kyle Coleman texted me and he said, Hey, there's someone on LinkedIn that is posting saying that SDR should stay in their lane and only make phone calls and only send emails. Um, would you mind commenting on the post? Because, you know, I just don't think that's right. And I was like, a hundred percent. You serious? Like, you know, let, get, get me in there. So, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, commenting and, and uh, you know, talking about the SDR role. And shortly thereafter, Kyle and I just kind of kept talking and, and we were like, boy, like we're really defending SDRs pretty hard there. And there we go. That's where that's where the name and, and, uh, and the community came from. And so just you guys became a community providing insights and information and advice, best practices to SDRs. Correct. So we would do um, webinars ranging from how to transition into tech sales to emailing 101 to, you know, the anatomy of cold call. And it was a lot of fun because it was really our passion. So uh, myself, Nikki Ivy, Tom Bocard, Nisha Parikh, and Kyle Coleman are, are the um, five co-founders. That's of a SDR great group. Founders. That's a great group. It, it was, it was honestly just so much fun to build this. You know, all of us ha- have full-time jobs and um, seeing, you know, their, their bright and happy faces every Tuesday at, at 7am, uh, you know, to, to really help to build this from, from nothing into a community that had, you know, 3000 plus members. And, um, what, what I really loved about it was, you know, we weren't really like other communities in that we weren't, we weren't offering like this, like Slack group or anything like that you know, at the end of the day, we really were the product, you know, we would open up our LinkedIn direct messages, we would open up our cell phones, like we would have conversations with people who were looking for help. Um, And, you know, we really just wanted to be there to support um, a group of professionals that unfortunately, um, have been offered very limited, if any support um, in their careers to that point. And then, so it's a natural fit for Pavilion, which I'm a big fan of what those guys do. Sam Jacobs has been on the show. Your partner, Tom Bocard, has been on our show. Uh, I, I love what Pavilion does, formerly Rev- Revenue Collective, for those that didn't know about that change. So, yeah, that's awesome. Congrats, man. I'm happy for you guys. Uh, okay, that's, thank you. That's, that's fantastic. So that being said, you have a stellar background in that whole sales development world. You have a, a ton of experience. You're, you're doing it right now. You're leading a high-growth team right now. Uh, in, in a high growth inside sales environment. Let's start maybe by going back in time, 18 months. I remember when pandemic hit 18 months ago, man. I remember getting on this show and with my customers and having webinars or, or whatever we call them now and, and saying something to the effect of, if you haven't changed what you're doing from a leadership perspective, you're already behind. 
I remember saying that. The reason I'm thinking of that is today, one of my customers that I coach told me that, you know, he's like, man, you know, I remember you telling me that in one of our early coaching sessions 18 months ago. And he's like, I don't think I changed fast enough. That's kind of what our conversation was today. So where do you think things are going uh, right now? I want to say particularly from the, that side of engaging customers from that omni-channel kind of uh, viewpoint. What's happening there right now for you that's right thick in the middle of it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually one of, one of my real passions to, to talk about right now. Um, typically, and, and we'll say pre-pandemic. Okay cell phones and office lines had roughly the same connection rate. Um, you know, industry data showed that roughly office phones had about a five to 7% connection rate. Cells were right in that mix. Post or during and now coming out of the pandemic, office lines have an almost zero connection rate. You know, we're talking around one, one and a half percent. Um, according to some, some industry data that I've seen, cell phones have stayed a little bit um, uh, higher than that, I believe they're around two to 4%, but they've ticked down fairly significantly from pre-pandemic to now. So one of the, the challenges that, that uh, I think a lot of different sales leaders are looking at is I don't believe cold calling will ever legitimately die. You know, I think it, it is a part of an omni-channel approach, but what I've been looking at is really the difference between multi-channel and omni-channel. Because right now, multi-channel is good. That is a good practice. But we as salespeople need to start becoming omni-channel. You know, we have to start enabling ourselves and ensuring that we have the, the proper tech to support outreach that includes cell phone calls, emails, personalized emails, video prospecting, social media. And I'm not just saying LinkedIn here. One of our BDRs actually uh, four days ago booked a meeting through Twitter direct messaging. Are you um, kidding? You know, wow. I'm literally not kidding. He said, Josh, I booked a meeting. I said, great. How'd you do it, Rally? He said, you really want to know? Twitter yeah. direct message. No way. Okay. All right. Well, well played. Um, you know, I think that that's where the industry is going. Um, and, and on top of that, you're starting to see selling by influence, which, which is, you know, I think if you look at this, you've got, you know, account-based sales, account-based marketing, but I actually think we are starting to see account-based influence where um, SDRs and BDRs are actually team selling and they're having success driving into accounts because of influencers or people at the company that have enough clout to actually drive meetings and deal cycles into those accounts. And it really has become omni-channel and not multi-channel. So let's sit on that. I think that's not just semantics, man. I think that's a fundamental shift. I love how you just took us back. We hopped in our hot tub time machine, right? We went back <laughs> a little bit and you, and you brought us like, it's true. I, one of the more recent things I've seen is 80% of emails never even get open. And that certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't use it. And it certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, try and prospect to new people. But what I do like about what you're suggesting is, is we have to be like always looking how, like, it, it, I used to say things like it, it ain't your daddy sales world anymore. I don't think I can say even it's not your big sister's sales world anymore. Yep. Do, you, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, is that, 100%. is that fair to say? A hundred percent. And so that's why I think the leadership side of this is so important because, you know, I think as sales leaders, it's super important for you to like be intentionally learning and proving one of my favorite sales leaders blocks time every week to have vendors sell something to him, even if he doesn't want to buy, because he wants to see what's the latest and greatest things going on. Like he's like, it's easy for easier for me to have the people show me it rather than me read about it. So he actually schedules time every week to be seeing stuff. So let's talk about that. Look, I want to come back to influence. I think influence is going to be like a super important thing. We've never talked about it on, on, on the show. I'm excited to talk about it, but I want to talk about where the leaders are right now. You know, like omni channels changing. Uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's this omni it's everything's woven together. But what does that mean, a leader? What, what do leaders have to do differently? I mean, do they have to change? 
are where, where's the state of the sales leaders as you see them? Are they getting passed up? How hard is it to stay current? Current has that job changed? I, I'm really interested in your take on given that change and how customers work. What does that mean needs to happen for sales leaders and how they work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think absolutely sales leaders have had to change and. I think that they've had to change in a very challenging way. Um, you know, for me, when I started my sales career as an inside sales rep, our call minimum was 80 per day. If you hit 80 per day, it was considered a good day. So, you know, my, my manager, you know, had very clear data on, hey, are you doing the right things the right way? As in, are you making over 80 calls a day? That is not the case right now because it is challenging to track everything that you're looking to track in one place. Right, You have tools like Salesforce and Outreach that can help with some of that. But the real question that you need to ask is not, are the right things happening? It's that, are the right things happening in the right ways? Because there are a lot of times where stuff is just happening, right? People are working from home. They feel siloed. They feel Mm -hmm. alone. And there needs to be a data-driven approach. But you need to kind of double-check that against your gut. And here's what I mean by that. So um, I'll actually tell you a little bit of a story. So an old rep of mine, uh, one of the highest activity reps we had, easily the the strongest cold caller. He had the most dials every single day. He prospected the most. His prospects added into sequences was, was the highest week to week. And he's missing his number, right? So the question is not how many more calls can you make? It's, okay, you're clearly making enough calls. So what in your process is not going right. And I dug in with him and we looked at his messaging. His messaging was good. He looked at the, we looked at the accounts and the prospects he was working. He was refreshing his accounts at a good pace. He was trending. He had a a good amount of total accounts he was working and it was, I was stumped. Right. And so I I just asked him, I, I just said, you know, Anthony, like, can you tell me about your day? What are you doing in your day? So, mm-hmm. well, you know, I get up at, at, at 6, 6.30. I start working, you know, pretty much right after I wake up. And I work pretty much straight through to 6, you know, 6.30 or 7. And then I'll, I'll watch TV. And so I had to make a gut call, right, on, on what, what I could actually advise him. I said, all right, this is going to sound weird. Get out of the house. Go mm-hmm. walk. Go for a walk. Get away from your screen. Don't just sit in front of a screen all day. And... It worked like a charm. You know, he ended up booking 11 meetings over the next 11 business days after he started going for one hour walks at lunch. And that's what you have to start doing. Leaders need to be willing to dig in and understand what your reps are doing, what their process is, so that you can actually come out with a baked response, right? I think of it like a doctor, right? If a patient walks in, a doctor's just not just going to prescribe medicine, right? They need to listen, understand what the symptoms are. And then after they understand what the symptoms are, double check that against what they're seeing, right? What is the data showing? And then use all of those factors to come out with a recommendation on the back end. This is a really great story, man. I'm burning up my notepad. I'm almost done with page one of my notes right now (laughs) listening to you. This is awesome. And I've got all kinds of things I want to talk about. We may not get to influence given what you just said. I think I think we could talk about this topic and have a killer, killer conversation for the rest of our 40 minutes that we have with this show. Um, it's that important, man. What you just described. So now we're going to go home in the hot tub time machine again. I'm going to go back a few years ago. Um, I remember when Salesforce awarded me with the first time their internal award is called the surfboard award. And I was the first one of their customers that won the surfboard award as a, as a, as a customer. And they gave me what they call the ABC award. It's a playoff. Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing. Uh, they, they awarded me as having the number one Salesforce instance in the world for winning new business. And, um, and it was really cool. But you want to know why they awarded it to me? You ready for this? All of the listeners, I am not as cool as it sounds. Okay. I'm about to like reveal that the emperor has no clothes. Okay. And, um, the reason that they gave it to me was the stupid heat map that I could make seven or eight years ago is a really cool deal that was really forward looking, but it was all data driven, man. All it was, was like, I call it now spreadsheet leadership. All that was a spreadsheet leadership. And what I've come to find out since then was back in the day when that was kind of like, everybody was like seeing that tech could help us be data driven. Data driven is a really great concept, but can also be 
siren song. It could be this death over the company averages, right? And and then if that's all it's based on is is just numbers and how you stand up to numbers, et cetera, uh, we have all kinds of problems. So I'm really interested in your perspective on that. You know, what what is the things you got to beware if you're going to be in the world of data-driven leadership? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, there's, uh, first of all, uh, Rob, I would say that heat maps are still cool. And okay. I, 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 I still like, I still like that. Um, Honestly, so- everybody wanted to see my heat map. They had me my first three times I spoke at Dreamforce. It was to share how I did heat maps out of Salesforce. That's all it was. It was crazy. I had lines out the door with, will you email me your, your file, your spread, your Excel file? We like, I couldn't believe it. Uh, uh, it was written up as best practice. It was nuts. Cause it was just a freaking heat map, man. So I, I love it. Um, you know, I think that there's, I think that th- there's a lot right now about being a data-driven sales leader, right? What's your relationship with data? How do you act on it, right? And I think that it's really important to, again, you need to seek to understand the data. And I think that's the most important part is to go and do a gut check with your team, right? Understand what it is about the data and what the data is actually telling you. Because ultimately, there can be a lot of false positives, right? You know, I, I think about, um, you talked about Salesforce, right? And, and um, one thing that, that I think about is we're asking our reps to, to fill out a lot of information in Salesforce. Not all of it is going to be correct, right? So for example, um, we did a, a little study last, uh, last year when I was at WalkMe about what the conversion rates were over LinkedIn, over phone, over email, um, over kind of our, our other channels. And after we did that, I think what, what was really important was we gut checked it with the reps. You know, hey, here's what we are seeing in the data. Is this what you are finding? Right. And I think that it's really important to do a gut check and understand what's actually going on on at, like on the actual field day in and day out. Because ultimately, if you don't understand the data and you don't understand the story behind it, then you're going to come up with actions and you're going to come up with reactions that may not lead to the results that you're looking for. All right. I like that. That's really good advice because I think data matters. I for sure think we have to use it. But I think that there's something we have to be able to look around corners and behind the data, right? I mean, is it as simple as using your gut? Is there any kind of like thing you would tell our leaders? How do you look behind the data? Is there any kind of advice you'd give? Yeah, you know, I think that the way that that I've done this in the past is to really try to understand the process behind it and understand all of the different stakeholders. So for me, what, um, you know, what I'll try to do is just honestly have a really open and honest discussion with the team about what the data is telling me, what my gut reaction is when I see the data, and then ask, just get their opinion, right? What do you think? Will this help our process? Yes or no. And then try to just use all of the inputs, whether it's data, whether it's opinions, right? And then seek to understand and then run a little A-B test, mm-hmm. right? Track something, see if what you have, what your hypothesis is, is successful and then make a decision. I think a lot of people are, um, you know, we, we live in a world that is very demanding, particularly in sales, right? You know, I feel like um, sales leaders, myself included, sometimes feel like I don't have the time to do this because I have numbers to hit. And if we do this, it's not going to allow me to get to my number. Whereas if you understand that what you are working towards can help you surpass that number or um, can f- help you find the best practice that will uh, that will scale to the rest of the team, then that's exponential growth that you are not seeing now that you have the potential of seeing down, down the line. Well said. All right. So we're halfway through this. I can't believe that I only got like 20 minutes left with you, man. It's gone super fast. So I, I do want to get to the second part. Like we spent more time on that than I thought we would, but that was really, I thought, great. So thank you. Um, I want to talk about, and maybe there's a lot of things here. Let me set the table and let you like go whichever course you want to go. How's that sound, man? Yeah, um, sounds great. I want to talk about influence for a second. I, I, I think that you nailed it when you talked about that. In fact, when we were talking before we started recording, we both brought up influence in, in, independently. And so I love that you're thinking about that. 
I think that more than ever in this loud, noisy world that we're in, it's not who can have the loudest voice. It's not who can have like the most posts or something like that. It's, it's like, I think an influencer in social media, like again, this again, tell me if you disagree with this. I think about what people think an influencer is. It's like getting them to look at me, like, look at me, like me, you know, click on this. I just think those people, they're nothing different than a model. They just want someone to look at them, right? Look at me, look at me, look at me. But a real influencer is someone that gets people to change and their behavior change. They do something different. They do something more. And so like, that's the jam. I think the jam is, can you get someone to change and become something different? And so as, as, as if you're going to really have influence today, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you create influence with those you lead? How do you create influence in a market? And, and, and I really am really interested because I think that is a big deal right now. You know, I, I love the way that you're thinking about that. And I actually think about it in a similar way. So I think if, if we look at LinkedIn specifically, Great. Um, there's, I think people on LinkedIn are divided into two camps. LinkedIn influencers, which would fall into the bucket of look at me, look at me, look at me. Yep. And typically their posts are not very actionable. It's very much a like me, give me attention. Yeah. And then you have legitimate thought leaders. These are the people that are posting really thoughtful and actionable content that you can actually understand and operationalize after reading it. And I think that unfortunately, the pipes of LinkedIn are a little bit clogged. But if you really understand the people that um, are posting, right, like you will see VPs of sales at, at unicorn companies, late stage SaaS companies getting 20 likes on their post, but it's really actionable. It's a great analogy. And I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what a great, what a great post. And I will actually go share that with our team. Whereas you'll see, you'll see other posts that are just, uh, you know, uh, I I don't want to call anyone out, but um, it's the attention. It's the look at me and and I'm going to get 90 likes because, you know, everyone agrees with this content and it's, it's easy for me. Yeah, man, I, I, I tell the leaders I work with, don't be a model, be someone who changes behavior, right? You know, don't, it's not, look at, look at me. So I, I'm interested in that. So how, how do you have influence with your team? Let's talk about that. You know, there's, there's so many ways that you can try and lead. And in the modern day with what's going on. So that's the first part I want to talk about was that here's the second part. As Omni changes, I'm really interested in your take on what outreaches will take over as those peter out. Okay. Um, and I guess, so blending those two, you know, what, how do you have the, like, I'm thinking of the scales of justice, activity versus influence, you know, do they balance is one more important than the other. And like activity goes to this omni channel influence goes to what leaders do to have these things get done. That's why I think that there's this interesting convergence point here. Yeah. A great question. Um, so t- tackling the first, I think the, the first one was um, how do I have influence on our team? Perfect. Um, and you know, my, my big rule, and I think some may call it like leading from the front, leading from the back, but I will never ask anyone to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So pause, we have to push pause. Sorry, man. I I want you to say that again, but I want to then go into what that means, because that seems like something that people will always say, but there's a lot of people that are asking the reps to do things that they themselves no longer can do. Fair to say? So restate that. And then let's talk about why that matters so much. Because I actually think that matters more now than maybe it ever has in the past. Yeah. So so I will never ask anyone on our team to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. That's that's literally just very basic. And what that means to me is, is the following. So, you know, we ask the team to team sell, right? I will go open my network to anyone that I know or that could I could potentially be connected with. Um, so for example, team member came to me two to three weeks ago, said, Hey, Josh, you know, you went to your MBA program at, you know, UCI, this prospect that I'm trying to get a hold of also went to UCI. Do you know anyone at UCI that could, that could help? You know, I have a really good relationship with the, the folks that work at UCI. I made the request. They reached out to this prospect on our behalf. We booked a meeting that's actually going off tomorrow. Nice. Um, so that's, that's one side. The other side is, I will go do the outreach. So for example, we do daily call blitzes, right? And it's, it's a little bit, 
yes, we want to encourage calling. Um, but a big part of that is because I got feedback a long time ago that people felt siloed. People were working alone and I didn't have a great answer as to how to keep the team productive while getting people working together. So what, what one of my answers was, and this actually was, was an idea from the team, was cold call club. And what we would do is we would all jump into a Zoom, we would make some dials, and then we would digest it, right? You know, if, if you got a prospect on the phone, you would come off mute and you would literally have that conversation in front of the whole team. And I jump on that whenever I have the opportunity and I will make dials. And whenever I get someone on the phone, I come off mute. And the team has heard me have absolutely horrendous cold calls. There was a cold call I remember making that um, the minute I got off, um, I was so embarrassed that there was like a weird, awkward pause. And then I, I told uh, a woman on our team, Jackie, um, I am so sorry, Jackie. That was honestly one of the worst calls I've ever made. And I apologize that it was one of, <laughs> one of your prospects. And she was silent for a second and I just got beat red. And she's like, oh, that, that's okay. I just felt so badly. Um, go figure later in the call, but she booked a meeting. And I was like, I don't think I deserve to be in this title, this, this role anymore. Um, but there are others that go really, really well. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I made a call, really, really tough prospect, but we ended up booking the meeting and, and halfway through, I think I was very relaxed because I, I hit one of these, you know, yep. I, I gave one of, and uh, one of the, one of the folks on our team, Scott said, oh, I knew you were booking the meeting the second you gave that big stretch. <laughs> oh. So, so here's why I love what you're just talking about. So I, I believe that the currency of influence, the currency of relationships is trust. I, that's my personal belief. Professionally, personally, that's what we trade on is trust. I also believe there's at least three types of trust. First one, there are three C's, right? It's character. Do I think you're like a good person? Second is competency, and that's that technical trust. Can you do the job? Third is connection, and that's do I believe that we have relationship trust that, you know, Josh, my boss, has my best interest in mind. And so the first one, um, character, I, I, I don't even like to talk about it on stuff like this because kind of either you have it or you don't. Um, uh, don't ask people to do stupid things on deals just to win, for instance. You just don't do that. Um but what I want to talk about, what I love about what you just said is this is such a great way to build that technical trust in your competency. And if you can't do that job, I'm thinking of one of my customers, I recently took on a new client where this head of sales has tried to build an inside sales arm and he doesn't have the capability to do it, man. And he brought me in specifically because he's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, the first thing you got to do is learn how to do that job. If you want, unless you're going to have someone else run it, you're going to have to do it. And uh, I believe that that's not overrated. I, and in fact, I've seen Josh, I want to get your take on this. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. No, this is awesome. I, I, I think that sales has been legitimized really significantly and call it the last five years. It's become very, it used to be that the only sales leaders really were people who had done the job and could do the job. There's a lot of people being attracted that want leadership roles in sales that have never done the job. And they want to lead with spreadsheets, for example, or they want to rely on another team to do the training, for example. And um, how much does that help you as a leader if you can really have that competency trust that I talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge, right? Because you ultimately are the day-to-day -day coach, right? And if you, do, if you haven't done the job, then it's really difficult for you to identify how to do the right things the right way. The, the leader you described, I call them the outsourced leader because they just want to outsource everything. You know, no. oh, well, there's got to be a tool for that. Oh, there's got to be another, you know, team or organization that can do that for me. And my solution is if I can't figure it out, I will go get someone to do this, but I better know how to do 100% of this job so that I can teach everyone. Because ultimately, not only does that help the organization, it essentially gives you a, a, a foolproof hiring strategy because ultimately you are the best coach for the job. And if someone has the dedication to succeed, if you know how to do the job, you can get them there. If yeah. you don't know how to do the job, then you cannot get them there. And there's a massive gap between those that can be successful and those who are successful. 
And that boils down to the leader. I want to sit on that now, Josh. There's a massive gap between what? What are those two? Can you the, say that those, again? Who, those who can be successful and those who are successful. What drives the size of that gap? The leaders. And so, so the leaders have this responsibility to close that gap? Absolutely. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? How do you do that? Yeah. I, I got, you, you got several thousand people listening to you right now. And I'm sitting on this because I think this is super insightful. We've never talked about influence. We've started to scratch the surface on it. I could see me calling you up in a few months and saying, let's talk, let's go deeper on influence, man. And um, because you're already doing it, I, I, I want to be leaders of influence for sure. If our job is to close that gap and there's a massive gap, gap between those that can be successful and those that are, what are some things that leaders need to do if they're going to mind that gap, if they're going to be bridge builders, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a really good question. To me, it, it boils down to three really important buckets. Okay. The first is um, personal and professional development, right? So personal development, what skills are you learning that you're operationalizing day-to-day that you will have for the rest of your career? The second is professional development. What promotions are you earning? The second bucket is the metrics. You know, are you crushing your numbers, right? The third is the relationships that you're building, the relationships that you're building with your peers on the team, your peers in the organization, your colleagues, the prospects that you're working with, and any clients or any mentors outside of the organization. And to me, you have to check every single one of those boxes as a leader in order to close that gap between those who can be successful and those who are successful. I like that. So what do you think stops leaders from actually doing a better job of that? Because the data shows that most reps say they, the coaching they get is only okay most of the time. Like most of the time. It's like the rare thing. If you find the leader who's really good at helping close that gap, and I'm, I'm kind of calling it coaching. It's, it's personal development, and maybe coaching is too fat of a word for that. So, But I want to clarify that as we're here. Most of the time, people say it's kind of okay. And when they find someone like you, Josh, who's good at that, like those people become legendary. You can see the word on my banner behind me. That's what I choose is legendary. I, I, I don't have anything in common with someone that wants to be average. I, I tell my customers all the time, if you want average, you shouldn't work with me because I'll frustrate you. Okay. So what do you think stops leaders from having that kind of impact? So... I will be very upfront with you, Rob. I think Good. There's, a couple, there's a couple of specific things. One is I think so many people are so enamored with looking successful and I want a big title and I want a promotion in X amount of months and I don't want to sell anymore. Now I'm ready to teach. And there is so much to learn how to teach. Even something so simple as understanding, seeking to understand why someone is not performing as well this week as they were last week, that takes a lot of really soft skills. It also takes some hard skills and some of that technical competency you spoke about, but it takes a lot of soft skills to not only understand that, but then communicate it clearly, honestly, and set expectations that are agreed upon between both parties. And that's just one tiny example. And I think so many people are, are, wanting to be managers, directors, VPs, C-level executives, that they forget that if you want to be a really successful AE manager, director, you have to know how to do all of this stuff. If you want to be a good sales director, you're selling eight times as more as when you were a rep. Why? Preach, baby, preach. Everyone else's quota that is rolling up to you. You are not just responsible for your own quota anymore. You're responsible for everybody's. And I know I'm kind of up on a soapbox, but like I get fired up with this stuff because you better be ready when you're a leader to go do eight people's jobs and help eight people. What that does not mean is be a super rep. What that does mean is teach, train, coach, enable, and lead everyone on your team to get them to be successful. Dude, that is so good. Now you got me fired up. So we're, we're on the home stretch here, and I, I know I'm about to run out of time. I don't know where I want to go. There's so many things. I, you haven't got to the second half of that last question I asked about what's going to take over as, as, uh, as some things peter out. You know, what are the next frontiers? I'd love to get your take on that. Let's start with that. Let's see where that goes, because 
uh, again, we got a lot of people listening. And my advice to the people listening to you right now is listen to what Josh is, is talking about here because he is on the tip of the lance right now. So where do you, what, what do you think is going to be opening up? What's going to continue to get more and more important? Where, what are the things that you would encourage our leaders to be looking at from an outreach perspective? Yeah, you know, I look at, I know this sounds super silly, but I actually think Instagram is the model that people need to be looking at, right? Instagram started, there was a, a content boom, influencers popping up left and right. That is what is currently happening on LinkedIn. You see on, on Instagram, you know, people taking pictures in shirts, dresses, bathing suits, and it's, it's sponsored by these companies that are selling that. Right. right. And I think starting to see a similar motion on LinkedIn where organizations that are looking to sell their product are relying on influencers or, or you know, people that have a lot of followers on, on LinkedIn to help them facilitate those deals. And it is, you know, again, I, I talked about a little earlier, account-based selling, account-based marketing. And I think what is starting to happen is account-based influencership. So people looking to leverage their VCs and their, their, um, their uh, partners, people looking to leverage friends on in the LinkedIn community, and people looking to most most seriously leverage thought leaders on LinkedIn, and leverage people that have a voice, and not only have the voice, but have the technical proficiency to understand how to operationalize day to day. And I think that that is really where sales is going is people are going to stop making 50 cold calls a day. And what they're going to start doing is they're going to try to contact thought leaders who will then help facilitate these deals. Yeah, I think that's the, that is the ticket, man. I mean, it's not about work harder and embracing the grind. I, I think we got to work hard, but we used to celebrate those who grinded the hardest, right? And um I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a lot of awesomeness in burning through 50 target accounts to get like maybe a couple of meetings. You know what I'm saying? No way. I would rather have like six or seven accounts to get those couple of meetings and then not give up on the other ones because I know why I'm reaching out to them. And I'm like, I'm all in on figuring out how to have influence with these people. Right. Bingo. Not just activity with these people. And I, I think that's a really important thing that we should be thinking about as sales leaders if we're going to try to apply your ideas of, lever, of leverage and, and influence is it's don't confuse activity for accomplishment, right? It, um, it is, it's not. The person that makes three outreaches and, and goes three for three, that's not a lazy person. That's a person that just knows their job really well, right? Bingo. And so I like that. Um I want to finish with something that may surprise you where I want to go. I'm really impressed. I like this conversation with you even more than I thought I would. And I know we're on our last couple of minutes. Again, we got a lot of people listening to us. Some people that are experienced, some people that are new to sales leadership, somebody that some people that aspire to sales leadership. And, and I'm grateful for all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. Our show just continues to grow. We have half a million downloads already on our show. It's just crazy, man. Wow. Yeah. 500,000 downloads now. Um, you're someone that's had a lot of success really fast, Josh. You are the very sales leader that a lot of people would aspire to be. You know, you've had success, you've had impact, uh, you're, you're doing the job. I'm thinking of a person that I coached and mentored a few years ago. He was so impatient. He never gave himself a chance to do the job. And then all I ever heard was, I'm ready to be a VP. I'm ready to be a VP. I'm ready to be a VP. And all he's ever done is bounce and like, leave drama everywhere he went because he didn't like ever have impact. He didn't ever really have influence. He was a model like me, you know, click on me. You see what I'm saying? Any advice to people that are early in their sales leadership career or people that aspire to early sales leadership career? How do you get those opportunities? What are the things you need to do to, to prepare yourself to be able to do the things that you've been fortunate enough to be able to do so far? Yeah. The, for me, this is the three L's listen, learn, and love. And uh, let me let me break it down. So first of all, you need to learn from a mentor that is willing to teach you and knows how to teach you. And for many years, I did not have that person. I wanted to be that VP that had a fancy title and running around doing all this stuff, but I needed someone to learn from and I didn't have that. So learning is really important. Second of all, you need to listen. You can't just think that you have the answer to everything, particularly if you have not experienced it yet. 
Um, and, you know, Rob, we talked about this a little yesterday, but you see on LinkedIn a lot of people that are commenting and, and giving advice um, to those in roles that they've never done before. And I look at that and, and the first reaction I have is it's clear you've never done this before, because if you did, this wouldn't be your advice. It's, it's not practical. It's not actionable. It's, it's complaining ultimately. Um, and you need to listen, listen to people in your circle that are telling you what's best for you. Listen to your mentors and people that you respect in the industry. And most importantly, listen to your team, particularly if you're a sales leader, you cannot listen to your team much. If you're the only person, I tell this to our team all the time. If I'm the only person coming up with good ideas, it's going to be a really awful place to work. Um, (laughs) You know, like I need you to tell me what to do. Right. Because then I can take that. I can look at data and I can really try to define the best path forward with feedback and input from the team. So listen is second and love is third, because ultimately you have to have a passion for what you're doing. Like, let's be really honest here. You're spending half or sometimes more than half of your every single day and every single week working. And if you don't love doing what it is you're doing and you don't love waking up and seeing the same people every single day, that's going to be a really tough life to live. And I've been there. I've been the person that, that stayed up till three, four in the morning. Cause I dreaded going into work the next day. And it is not a life I am ready to go back to ever. Dude, so three L's. That is Listen, perfect. learn, love. I am so glad we finished with that. Thank you. That is such good advice. You've really inspired me today, man. I'm, I'm pumped up. Uh, we went, we went into three really great areas. I, I could have gone deeper in all of them. I, I'm glad we touched on what we did. Um, I want to do our rapid fire and then I'm going to come back and give you a chance to have some final thoughts, if that's okay. Yeah. Do it that way. So let's three questions, top of mind, really fast. Not a lot of detail. It's just boom, boom, boom. You ready? Let's do it. Biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now and how do you beat it? Uh, everyone working alone. Uh, how you beat it, uh, as much collaboration and team events as you can when, whenever possible. Awesome. That's, that's a really good one. There's a show just around that, man. Like I said, you may be, you may be coming back sooner than you think, Josh. Um, number two, when you're building a team and you've done a bit of that, um, do you have a favorite interview question or topic, uh, that you like to leverage when you're finding the people that you want to get in the trenches with? And what is it you're looking for when you, when you leverage that topic or question? Yep. My favorite question is, uh, tell me about something that you did wrong or poorly and how you rectified it. And what I'm analyzing for is uh, A, humility, B, seeking to understand and C, how to read the situation, situational awareness. Love it. Also good. Last one, leaders or readers. We found that the leaders who are really uh, continuing to grow, no matter how old or young they are, they never stop learning. To your first point, learn, listen, and love, right? And the learning thing never ends. I can tell you is between the two of us, I'm the senior citizen, man. And I, my, my journey, I feel like has only begun, you know? And, um, and so anything that you would recommend to our, to our listeners that they get their hands on and read and, and, and consume as they go in their journey? Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. It is the best non-sales sales book you will ever read in your life. I can't wait. I'm, I'm ordering that as soon as we get off this call, man. Predictably Irrational? predictably rational change my career. Okay. I'm buying it. Dude, you're awesome. Um, last kind of thoughts. I don't care if it's around influence or, or leadership, but we, things we've talked about is any kind of top of mind. Is there anything you'd like to share with our leaders? And like, Hey, as a result of hearing our conversation today, is there like one or two things that you really recommend they do if they want to add a little more impact to what they do with the people they lead? Yeah. And I always try to leave with the same thing lead with empathy because ultimately compassion and empathy win the day every day lead with empathy lead with compassion and the team will respond dude that is fantastic his name is josh roth he is having influence in a meaningful way not just with the team that he leads at lob but with the whole industry he's done it with the sdr defenders uh he's doing it with the content that he shares uh, I watch him on LinkedIn. If you haven't connected with him yet, you need to. Josh, how do people get more of you, right? How do they get more of Lob? If they want to like take the conversation and keep it going, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, please connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I, I like to think that I am very good with my LinkedIn direct messages. Um, shoot me a connection on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Uh, would love to to engage with and anyone listening. All right. 
Josh Roth, he's helping put an end to spreadsheet leadership all around the world. He's helping people have influence everywhere they work. He's one of my favorites, uh, favorite leaders to watch right now. I, I, I follow a lot of leaders. Josh, I'll tell you, I've told you this personally. I'll tell you in front of the group. You're one of my guys that when I see you have something to share, I always pause and make sure I check it out. I hope everybody that's listening will do the same thing. Thanks so much for joining us, Josh. And as I say to everyone, buddy, happy selling. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank Scipio for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Listen, texting is one of the last platforms where you can really differentiate how you engage your customers. And I'm all in on Scipio's mission of getting texting right. I've really dug into their product and I love it. If you haven't checked out their handbook on how to get texting right, you need to check it out. Since we've started on this partnership with Scipio, I've had several sales managers hit me up and tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform. It's simplicity, powerful features, and the impact texting done right creates. It makes this tool a no-brainer for the modern salesperson. Listen, not all text messaging platforms are created equal. And if you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. It's just that simple. I know the team personally. I know they'll give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com, tell them I sent you by using the code ROB on that sign-up page. Pick that top uh, program, uh, put that code in, and watch your cost go down to zero and then get blown away on how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by my company, the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own. And if that's the case, hit me up. Because while there's no shortcuts to success, I do know you'll get there faster if you take the most direct route. So i got lots of ways I do it. Like, if you like this podcast then you're going to love my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it as Home Depot for sales leaders. With my very best content, over 100 training hours in there, you can find everything you need at Sales Leadership United. But most people have never had a coach in their corner. And I'm telling you, now is the time to give that a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline, they all invest in themselves. So save your most precious resource. It's your time. Because small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can win just a teeny tiny bit more, just a little bit faster, you're going to see that it creates massive, massive results. And if you want those small advantages that create those results to even happen this year, hit me up today. Okay, Josh Roth. I freaking love this guy. Uh, How can you not? Right, Go back and listen to it again, uh, and then make sure you find him on LinkedIn and follow him. Follow his content. I do, and I'm always better as a result. And I can't get over how pumped I am that he joined me today. The concept of having influence, I think that's the jam. I think that's perhaps the most important thing for us to think about as a sales leader. How do we have influence? And I want to have this kind of so what around just the concept of influence. Josh talked about a ton of things. You need to listen to him. Influence. Man, that's the thing. One of my all-time favorite leadership quotes comes from John Maxwell. Uh, I would encourage you to read every John Maxwell book you can get your hands on. Um, Here's one of his, his quotes that I've never forgotten. He said, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And there's a lot of different ways to have influence. You can really evaluate how you have influence with those you lead. You need to. Stop for a second and take inventory. How do you have influence on them? Are the people on your team following you only because you have the title or do they follow you because of who you are, what you represent and your ability to help them become more and become more faster. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is way more than the age old carrot or stick conversation because influence is something you need to pay special attention to. Now, Josh hit that hard. I loved his approach and his insight around moving past the numbers. Leadership is more than dashboards and it's more than leaderboards boards. And I actually think that lazy leaders, they rely on the activity report. That's their thing. I absolutely love Josh's examples. He had a couple of great stories today. I love the one especially about how he helped the person that was 
really looking good on the activity reports, but was struggling to hit goals and how he had to go past the number and what the brain said and get to the gut. And that's because it's more important than ever to be connected to and coaching the whole person, not just the salesperson. Listen, leaders must be influencers. And I love to use this word right now because we're in a world where the word influencer, it's often associated with social media. But I found that most of these quote unquote influencers, they're just glorified models. It's about getting people to look at them. Right? Look at me, look at me. Like in the fitness world is easy. It's, you know, look at my abs, look at my ass, look at my arms, right? And and too many of us in this performance world, it's the same thing. It's look at me, look at me, right? And that's not leadership. Getting people to like or click, that's not what leadership's about. It isn't about true influence, right? I, it makes me think of my kids when they were younger. They would play this stupid game called Major Look, right? Major Look, hey, they say, well, what's over there? And I look, oh, Major Look. It's frustrating because you're just like, this is stupid. And and too many influencers today are what I call major look influencers. But here's what I want you to think about. Instead of can I make you look or can I make you listen, the question is can I get you to change? Because getting people to willingly change, that's another thing altogether. Leaders that yield and wield influence, they are able to help people change and then they become become something more and they can become something better and i'm telling you in my experience that's the jam when you get someone to say i'm gonna grow i'm gonna choose growth over talent i'm gonna choose to be something more like i get all these questions all the time my number one question right now is how do i coach the star performers right how do i get the people that have been told they're so great their whole life right the first is get over the goat title anybody that wants to call themselves goat Anybody that wants to put goat on the back of their warm-up suit before they go into the Olympics, right? And, and you probably know who I'm talking about. They have put themselves in a place where it's a fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset. Now it's about protecting my status rather than what do I grow to next. I love Tom Brady when he's asked, what's your uh, favorite Super Bowl? Uh, and he's like, it's the next one, okay? The, the true stars, the true high performers, they never stop looking forward. Okay? And they hire the coaches and they surround themselves with the people that will help them get there rather than embroidered goats on their outfits so they can uh, you know, try and have the world see just how great they think they are. And, and that's what makes failure become so devastating because your whole sense of identity crumbles. And we need to have a mindset of I'm going to get better, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to surround myself with people who help me do that. And that's what leadership's about is having impact and helping people choose change and choose growth. Can you really help people choose growth over talent? To be relentlessly focused and engaged on who and what they're becoming and where they're going. And that's what a true leader of influence does. And that's what you can do. But to do it, you've got to get past the numbers. Because the numbers are super good at helping us know what topics we should be evaluating or discussing. But it isn't as simple as just add more activities and add more people and we get there. Influencers can help people create more impact. So no matter where you are in your leadership journey, don't you ever stop finding ways to create influence. You're never so good that you can't get better because the world is changing. Sales is changing. People are changing. And that means how you create influence, it's got to change too. So Josh, my man, thank you so much for joining me today. This topic was a big one. Uh, In fact, the concept of influence is more important today than I think it's ever been. So I want everybody that's listening to ask yourself, am I a look-at-me leader or am I a how-good-can-you-be leader? Uh, You need to be really intentional about this. And Josh, I really appreciate you sharing your insights on this one. I love your passion. I love your willingness to share what's working for you right freaking now. I appreciate you. Thanks for sharing such important insights to our leaders around the world. And I hope that great things continue to happen with you and the teams you lead. I also want to thank our friends at Scipio. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of the free 30-day trial by using their tool for yourself. Go to the sign-up link, enter the code ROB, and start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with, and you will get results faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. Listen, if you like the episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way with helping me get the best uh, guests in the world on our show. You know, the greatest way you can thank me or, or, or show appreciation for what we're doing here is to send this episode to someone who needs to hear it, right? Share it with someone. Help the show continue to grow. And I'll finish the way I always do. My challenge to you is to choose to be elite. Live strong. 
Chase your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.